Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the first episode of Play On Preview for 2021. My name is Julia Montesano. Um, I am... I've previously worked at the Carlton Football Club in the AFLW program. Um, I've also worked at SCN and Fox Sports doing some content there. So I'm super stoked to be joining the team this year and to be sitting alongside Jeb Bastiani. Hello! How you doing? What's going on? I'm so excited to be back and recording this for this year because it means footy's back. I know. I saw you shed an actual tear before. <laughs> Anyone that knows me will know that that's not true. <laughs> I, my eye was watering. It wouldn't, was not tears. Oh, I reckon it was a little tear. Come on. We'll just see what happens, right? I'm. Yeah. I Who was I telling the other day? Maybe it was Alison from Siren. I'm just, you know. Shout out to Alison. What's going on? Amazing human. Um, I'm taking it week by week. I'm not a funny cliche at all. <laughs> this is the thing. I st- just started spouting out all these cliches because I was like, I'm too scared to look more than a few days ahead. So I'm literally just, you know. Next week is next week, and we'll deal with what comes after that. Um, I'm so excited to have you joining the Play on Preview for 2021. Yeah, I'm so to be. I'm so to get into it. We have a couple of Ripper games coming up in round one already, so it should be really exciting. It's going to be wild. Um, before we get into the games, though, I just want to touch on how we met properly. So we've had a couple of interactions in the past, but... Um, we met through Making the Call. Absolutely. What a great program. It's a program that was developed by Lucy and Emma Race and they decided that there was a need for more female commentators um, in the football landscape. So they chose a group of young, talented females and it included Gem and I somehow. So uh, we got involved in that group and we were mentored by some great people about how, what it takes to be a good broadcaster and what it takes to be... Um, you know, someone that's that's a good voice for football. And we spoke to, you know, the likes of Callie Underwood, Andy Marr, um, David Barr, and we spoke to Belle Jones, exactly. We spoke to heaps of prominent voices and it was a super rewarding experience. And not only do we speak to those people, we got to speak to each other and build a network of ourselves and all the Making the Call people as well. So it's been a really great experience. And shout out to Emma and Luce, who I'm sure are listening and out there listening. Hopefully. I hope so. Yeah. They did plug the podcast the other day. So <laughs> Yeah, so I'm stoked. I've been wanting to have kind of a co-host on this for a long time and haven't found anyone that's been interested enough or dedicated enough to do it. So I'm excited to have found you. And um, I should mention as well, the plan review uh, will be a little bit different this year as well. It's being co-hosted by Rana Hussein, who was actually a steering committee member for making the call. And she was kind of part of that. That'll be an Instagram live um, event every Sunday night. You're both amazing. I'm really, really excited. So anyway, that's um that's kind of an update. So yeah, go and follow Play on Radio Melbourne on Instagram or Rana Hussein on Instagram to make sure that you catch those lives every Sunday night. It'll also be coming out as a podcast every 
Monday morning. So if you don't catch the live, you can still hear the podcast. So that's my housekeeping. Um, should we talk about some games? Yeah, we should probably get into the footy, shouldn't we? It's a footy podcast. So yeah, we may as well just, you know, get off the topic of hairdressers and toilets and actually get into the games. So <laughs> first up, Carlton Collingwood tonight. 7.15 Icon Park. The traditional season opener is back. We had Carlton Richmond in 2020 to welcome the Tigers into the competition. A, a big a big welcoming <laughs> for the Tigers. Um, but yeah, the traditional rivals are back and the teams were announced last night and there's some, some big changes. Jen, want to take us through? Uh, Carlton Collingwood, yeah. So there, there are a few debuts that we're seeing, probably more than I would have expected in this side. And as, there are some players missing that we probably would have expected to be a first 21 player. Yeah. So uh, Lucy McAvoy is going to miss through a cheekbone injury, cheekbone fracture from that yeah, practice yeah. match. It'd be a big loss for the Blues, for sure. Yeah, I, I think the Blues are probably um, reasonable. She's an incredible player, but they're reasonably well equipped to cover it, I think. The, yeah. the, the really surprising player that's missing for me is Sarah Rowe for Collingwood and they haven't really said why there hasn't been much communication as to why she hasn't been selected she's not even an emergency so potentially there's an injury there that we haven't kind of found out about yet but that's a really interesting one because I thought she had an amazing year last year and she was a really important goal kicker for them last year so interesting but the Pies are debuting three players and they're all they're also playing Alicia Newman for the first time so we're going to see two ex-Mel- or three ex-Melbourne players all playing tomorrow night. Yeah. Tonight, I should say. We are recording on Wednesday night. Sorry, everyone. I'm bad at signposting yeah, time. Out, Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm bad at that. Julia will get used to it. Um, so that, that I think, is a really interesting one. Um, Alicia Newman, we're going to have Tani Brown, um, Amelia Villado, and Bella Smith all playing for Collingwood. Um, three of those four... Are going to be have been named in Collingwood's forward line, so Collingwood's forward line is probably their weakest area of the ground. So it's really interesting to see that they're really pushing hard with these new players through there to try and fix that problem. We saw last week in the practice games that Bella Smith actually had to go in the ruck herself. That was obviously due to I think Norda or formerly Leighton was yeah. rested and then Fowler got injured. So. Um, yeah, that, that, that provided an opportunity for her. And obviously Steve Simons liked what he saw, so he's given her the chance, which, you know, we like in round one. We like to see these chances given to players. Yeah, and Amelia Villado has the ability to do that as well. So there's there's a bit more flexibility about the Collingwood team this year. Yeah. On the uh, Carlton side, um, it's we're, we're going to see Mimi Hill debut, which is very, very exciting on that wing with Chloe Dalton not in the side. But I think even more interesting is Charlotte Hammonds, who couldn't get a crack at Gold Coast last year, has been traded down. She's straight up uh, debut in round one. So that's an interesting one. Mm. There without um, Gab Pound and... Uh, Brooke Walker. <laughs> Brooke Walker, thank you. Oh, with a foot injury. So Pound hand, Walker foot. So we've got a couple of Blues injured on opposite sides of the body. And it's probably the first time... Or last year the Blues had a really good run with the injury. I think it was only Jade Van Dyke that was out with an ankle for the whole year. Mm. But this time, straight in round one, they've got... Three big injuries off the bat, McAvoy, Walker and Pound. So, but it does show how much depth they have. Like you mentioned, you know, they, they can bring, you know, the likes of O'Day and even Maddie Guerin, another one that's having, um, making a Carlton debut. So, you know, they could bring in some really, really good solid players to replace those really experienced ones. So, yeah, big year for the Blues. Absolutely. And interesting as well, everyone's been talking about the Ash Brazel ACL and, and the Chelsea Randall ACL and all these other ones. Manny Guerin did her ACL against the Saints in round three last year. 
and she's playing round one. That is remarkable. Like, good on her. She's a really skilled player. So, uh, and they used her off half back in the practice match, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, she's so, been named in defence once again. So, we'll probably see her patrol in that back line, like you said. And yeah, we'll see what she can bring because I'm super excited to see what she does. And she probably only gets that opportunity because Gab Pound's out as well. So, yeah. thinking about it that way too is interesting. Um, We've got a couple of talking points about this game too. And I guess the first one we want to talk about is, is the last time these two teams met. So it feels like a while ago that we're talking about the 2020 season. It feels like everything's gone on in between. But what happened the last time these two teams met, Jen? So it was actually the last time Carlton lost. It was, right, round, yes, it was. round two last year. And if anyone remembers that game, I think Collingwood fans would remember this vividly. The fact that it was actually two free kicks in the forward 50 in the first quarter that gave Collingwood their first two goals. And once they got those two goals up, it didn't feel like Carlton were going to bridge that gap just because they couldn't kick accurately when they did kind of get the floor play in the second half. That's going to be absolutely burning for Carlton because they were a much better side than that game. But then that scoreline, I should say, um, kind of suggests. But Collingwood, I, w- I would be really surprised if they didn't use the same kind of style of play to combat Carlton again because Carlton... They're very, very strong. We know that they are. But they're a little bit vulnerable at times to the quick rebound used through the corridor. So I think we're going to see Collingwood try to employ that again. But then once it comes to entering 50, change the angles a little bit to come into the 50, we need to kind of take Collingwood with that caveat of most of their forwards are young, inexperienced players. Or they're new to the side. So we need to give them a little bit bit of slack early in the season. But I'm really excited to see what Collingwood forward line can do. Yeah, totally. And I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, last year in round two, was, I think Sarah Rowe was playing in that game. She was. And she was a big factor in that. She was really, Huge. really fast off the forward 50 line and was really damaging for the Blues. So they'll be relieved to not see her inside <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, they'll, they'll, they, won't, they won't take Collingwood lightly, that's for sure. No, Collingwood are a, they're a far improved side and you've got to take them seriously. But also, until they show that their forward line can be functional, I'm not going to tip them in that top group. They're probably in the second group down, whereas Carlton, I think, are in that top group. Anyway, we get on to some, some star players, I guess, for both teams. And the first one that comes to mind for, for mine, and probably for everyone's, is, is Manny Prasparkas of Carlton. We haven't seen her play since last year. She was the MVP. Um, so I'm really excited to see what she can do. What's what's your expectations of her this year? Yeah, so I think she's an interesting one because we did see Collingwood really get under her skin last year in, yeah. in this game. Um, there was a point where she gave away a free kick, coming back to the centre square, went to Jamie Lambert. Collingwood created some really good play out of that. So she needs to be able to keep her cool, which can be really difficult against Collingwood because that's how they like to play. She will always probably be staying really close to it. Yeah, and just like even when the ball isn't in play, what are they doing? So Chloe Malloy will often go and kind of bump the player that they're trying to intimidate. Um, So I think that needs to be something that Presparkas can handle. But I think the other thing is, and this is in no means disrespect to Sarah Hosking, it's just they're different profile players. I think that Elise O'Day probably commands a little bit more respect from the opposition just because of her name and her she's synonymous with footy in victoria so i think because aliso day is there and then you've still got loins you've still got egan you've still got g all those players that can run through that area i think it forces opposition to spread their focus a little bit more it can't just be 
let's lock down Matty Prasparkis. So I think if Colin, uh, Carlton can can do that, they can support Prasparkis by being threatening themselves as well. That will go a long way towards Prasparkis being able to be in the form they need her to be in. Yeah, and I think as the year went on, she actually, I think a lot of teams picked up on what Collingwood did. A lot of teams put a tag on her just to see how she'd go. And then she ended up kind of evading that tag amazingly. So yeah. they're, they're going to know that, that that same tactic won't quite work, especially with O'Day as the backup. So it'd be interesting to see what they do in the midfield. But we've been talking about Collingwood's forward line. I want you to talk a bit about Carlton's forward line and how they might stack up against Collingwood's defence. We obviously saw last year the Stacey Livingston and Taylor Harris battle. Have uh, some words, some nice choice words were spoken post game. But how do you expect that matchup to go this time round, and that kind of forward and defense matchup this go this time round? Yeah, I think it's an interesting one because it, that's what everyone's going to be talking about going yeah. into this game. We're going to see it on the broadcast before. They'll they'll definitely replay that snippet. They'll do all that sort of stuff. I think it's going to be really important to look at it more broadly as well because you got to look at Collingwood have Ruby Schleicher back finally after some really frustrating injury issues last yeah. year and she's so important to that back line. They don't have Ash Brazel there yet but they've got Alana Porter there who was really good in her first year last year. So yeah, you've got to take Collingwood's defence as, as a unit as much as you do that one-on-one battle. It's going to be fa- fascinating to watch. I can't wait to sit there and see them go head-to-head but yeah, even if Vesio is pushing up the ground, she's still going to be damaging forward. Georgia G is going to be damaging forward. Eliso Day can be damaging forward. So they might even throw Mandy Prasparkas up there. Exactly. Uh, if if she is being tagged and needs to break it, put her there. So yeah. it's it's a more uh, multi-dimensional conversation than just Harris and Livingston. But I get why people find that fascinating because Harris is the best contested mark in the game and Livingston is one of the best one-on-one key defenders in the game. Yeah. So it's an interesting matchup, but then it's going to filter out. Um, if the ball can come to ground and Carlton can support Harris, who is not terrible when the ball hits the ground. Yeah. Let's just clarify that. But if they can support her so she doesn't have to be in that one-on-one battle the whole time, Carlton are going to be better off. And, and I imagine that that's how it's going to go. Um, I would expect that from Carlton anyway. Yeah. So that leads me on to my next question in, in tips. <laughs> you, you sound like you're going towards a Carlton tip. What yeah. are you thinking? Yeah, I, I'm going to go Carlton by three points. Close. It's going to be a close match. I think it's going to be really tense. And the magnitude of the occasion is going to contribute to that as well. Um, But yeah, I'm tipping Carlton by three points. What about you? I'm going to say Carlton as well, just because they're the round one queens. I don't think they've, I don't think they've dropped a round one match since coming into the comp. You might well, I mean, clarify had, that for they've me. They've had Collingwood, Collingwood, Collingwood yeah. and Richmond. So, you yeah. know, they've had a pretty good run. Yeah. But you know, like you said, Collingwood's a team to, um, to watch out for this year. And three points is, you know, not a thrashing by any means. I'm going to say 12 points for Carlton. Yeah. So I think maybe a bit more, but... Yeah, we'll see how it pans out. It's definitely going to be an interesting game and we love how it's starting on a Thursday night. If you haven't got your tickets yet, um, make sure you do. Head to AFL Women's and grab them. We expect I think they can let a capacity of 9,000 in, so um, make sure you get your tickets because you can't roll up to the game and get them. So yeah. repurchase them. Um, and we must say, how good is it that we actually have tickets to buy this year? Oh, it's <laughs> the best. I have three club memberships i have aflw accreditation and i've still bought tickets to two games so if i can do that you can absolutely buy tickets yeah these these tickets go these funds go straight to supporting aflw programs as well so it's not like you're giving money straight to the afl you know just don't (laughs) don't think that way even if you are you know it gives them gives them more scope to develop more women's Mm. more women's competitions and more scope for women to play football yeah 
Um, so yeah, we're we're done with the Thursday night game and we're lucky enough to have a Friday night game as well. So we've got two blockbuster games um, in two nights and we've got St Kilda and the Dogs facing off at RSEA Park at 7.10. Um, obviously we can't announce the teams for those ones yet because teams are being announced before um, each game. So we don't exactly know who's going to be out in the park, but we can kind of talk about some general things, Gem. And I think the forward pressure is something you're looking out for in this game. Yeah, so we have had the conversations about the dogs last year playing Izzy Huntington in defence and, and all these different things and Nell Morris Dalton only playing one game and all these all these other things. We're expecting to see Huntington in the forward line again. We're expecting to see Morris Dalton save for injury, so Touchwood yeah. um, playing very consistently this year. Kirsten McLeod is still there. Um, Gabby Newton off that half forward line. Like there is so much to like about this dog's forward line. But I think the thing that's going to be really, really important for the dog's forward line is to be able to pl- apply that ground level pressure because that is what St Kilda thrive on. They they love to force the pressure in the, from their defensive unit and kind of pressure a turnover so they can then get it out. The dogs need to be able to apply that back on. Um, the Saints backline so that the Saints one would, for lack of a better term, <laughs> is kind of mute at yeah. that po- mute mute at that point. <laughs> wow, it's a uh, it's evening and I've lost my mind. Um, yes, yeah, so <laughs> regularly. You're allowed to have one bad mistake. That's one. <laughs> Goodness me, it's pressure now. We've got six more games to go. Um, yeah, I think that's the, that's the thing that's going to be really important. But the the bonus for the dogs is that they have a lot of overhead marking targets up forward. They are strong overhead, but also they do have those ground level players. Um, the saints have lost, obviously we don't have teams announced, but the saints have lost Clara Fitzpatrick for the year because of visa issues. She generally was their best overhead defensive marker because she had the height, she had the ball reading ability and she had the speed, um, Without her, I think that could be a vulnerable area for the Saints. So if the dogs can do that, but then, yeah, once the ball hits the ground, be able to apply that pressure back, that is going to be really important to their game. Yeah, totally. And you mentioned the dogs had a pretty disappointing season last season. You know, they've got a really good team on paper. We're just looking for them to step up. But I suppose they've been able to improve their list by taking some ripper players in the draft and... You're speaking of a, a, a sort of a new double act. Um, and it's got a bit of a Northern Knights flavour as well. <laughs> um, with Jess Fitzgerald and Gabby Newton teaming up together. They're obviously really great mates from their footy playing days. But how do you reckon they're going to work together on the field against the Saints on Friday? Yeah, so I think that the... And I think I said this on the Outer Sanctum. If everyone wants to go and listen to that, I highly recommend it. That... Um, the reason we probably saw the dogs take Fitzgerald over Bannon in the draft, and Bannon is touted as this amazing player, which I'm very excited about, but I think the reason she got pipped was because of the, the um, relationship she has the with chemistry. Gabby Newton. And yeah. in turn, her being there, them being together, compounds both of their ability, and it makes the the team more powerful by having two players better for them being together. So... Newton's really good on the inside in the contest, getting the ball, that sort of stuff when it comes to a contest. Um, And Fitzgerald knows how to read the way Newton's going to get the ball out of there and be on the outside for her. So that combination is the thing that every team wants in the AFLW. And they are going to have this for a long, long time to come now because they've got these two players. Yeah, dog supporters should definitely be excited about those two. They look like 
really exciting prospects and yeah, yeah it's a, it's another Northern Knights player like you said <laughs> they joined Narmore Stolton as well as another Northern Knights so yeah it's a lot of good it's a lot of good good mates down there at the Dogs and it seems like there's a really good field down there so yeah we'll see how they go against the Saints but we were just talking about the Saints before and you mentioned there was a big loss of Clara Fitzpatrick in defence but there's also not so much a loss in the forward but there's just like a a sort of an emptiness, you know. There's Greiser, but who else, you know? What what do, what do the Saints do to help support Greiser, who was the leading goal kicker last year in the comp? Yeah, Greiser's amazing. Um, yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> destroyed my team's hopes and dreams in round three. Um, you know. For those who don't know, Gems are tragic. Only in the women's. Only in the women's. Yeah, so I, I think the we expected to see more from maybe Darcy Guttridge, more from some of those midfielders running through the forward line for the Saints last year. But I, I, it was as much about them not being able to get their hands on the ball in the forward 50 as well as the Saints not getting it up forward very often. This year they have recruited specifically a couple of small forwards that are really active around goal, read the ball well off a contest, not necessarily in the air coming, but off a contest. So if Greiser can be the target, Sheila can be the target, once the ball hits the ground, Jackie Vogt and Renee Salaitis can go to work. I think that takes a bit of pressure off Darcy Guttridge, who can then maybe play a little bit higher up the ground. So again, depending on team selection, I'd really love to see how this Saints forward line kind of works early in the season. Yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting dynamic and interesting to see because... The Saints are the Saints are a pretty good team, you know. They just even though they just came to the competition last year, a lot of teams internally are rating them pretty highly and reckon they're going to go pretty well this year. So it'd be interesting to see how they go against the Dogs, who, like I said before, had a disappointing twenty twenty season. So it's kind of two teams having different goals going into twenty twenty one. But in terms of tips, what where are you leaning? Because I'm kind of struggling to pick a winner for this one. I think this is the hardest one to tip for yeah. the weekend. Um, I've tipped the Dogs by two. Um, I don't feel confident about that at all <laughs> because anything could happen. <laughs> but we know that the Saints like to play a really defensive brand of footy. Yeah. Um, it's not like um, a Carlton maybe who love to play almost a shootout game, Frio, North Melbourne. They love to play that shootout kind of game. They don't mind the score against because they have confidence that they can score themselves. The Saints is the opposite. They'll batten down the hatches. They'll restrict, 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 and then hope that they can score enough to win. Um, so that's why I'm choosing a really small margin. Um, but I think we'll enjoy what we see from the Saints because we will see improvement. What about yeah. you? Well, I'm going a small margin well as well, but the other way, I'm yeah. going the Saints by five. I don't know. I just I have a good feeling about the Saints this year. They've got. Quite a few co-cappers as well, we must say. Um, <laughs> Four so, co-cappers. Yes, they've got, they've got a fair bit of leadership in their squad and they're obviously under the great Peter Searle and led the women's footy once again for 2021. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what they could do, especially at their home ground as well. And we haven't spoken about this player before, uh, yet in this podcast, but Georgia Patrikos, I'm so excited to see what she can do in 2021. She's an absolute machine. So, yeah, yeah I'm excited for the game at Moorabbin. Um, it was great. It would be great to see fans down there as well. It was a really spiritual home ground for the Saints last year too. So If you see me there and you're in my zone, because everything's zoned off now, yes. um, say hi. But hi, obviously, <laughs> I don't drink alcohol. You can okay, buy me soda water or something, yeah, or just say hi. Or just um, chips. <laughs> yeah, just be COVID safe, obviously. Yes. 
Stay 1.5 meters away from me if you want to say hello. Wear your mask, elbow bump, yeah. all that. Yeah, I'm really nice, I promise. Anyway, COVID restrictions <laughs> are a bit different up north. We're going to head over to Metricon Stadium on Saturday up in sunny Gold Coast. And Jem, your girls, Melbourne, against the Suns, Saturday at 2.10 or 3.10 AD. That's a daylight savings time. Yeah. So, yeah, we've got to do both time zones, you know, just to make Yes, sure. I have written down all the time zones yeah, if they're... Just different. to make sure people are on the right track. We don't want to give people <laughs> the wrong time and then they go into the game an hour later and go, oh my God, what's happened? <laughs> we don't want to send you guys into a panic. We're here to help. So that's why we've got plenty of time zones. But apart from time zones, we've also got plenty of new recruits for both sides. You want to talk us through some new recruits from Melbourne and also Gold Coast? I feel like I should say a caveat here. Um, I did say I'm a member of three clubs. Yes. This is two of them. (laughs) (laughs) So um, both of my memberships have gone to good use uh, with this game not being in Victoria. Um, (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Uh, Memberships are always good use for women's teams. Uh, So new recruits. from the top of my head, Gold Coast had nine um, nine players turnover from last year and Melbourne had seven. Yep, yep. So that's nearly a third of each of the lists. So yeah. that's a lot in women's footy. Especially Melbourne. They've had that continual turnover for a couple of years now. I don't know. It's just players leave Melbourne. So <laughs> That's not true. This is the first time, really, players have left Melbourne. Yeah? Yeah. I'm trying I to think. think. <laughs> I mean, Dee Berry left after the first year. Who else has left Melbourne? I think you'd be names. I don't know. I mean, there were six this year, though, so that is a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, three of them are playing in the season opener. But it, it's really exciting. So a lot of people are like, oh, I can't pick it. For me, it's just so exciting because you look at Melbourne at the time we're recording this, they have announced three debutants for the game. So Alyssa Bannon, who is going to be talked about a lot this year. By you. But. <laughs> Yep, well, <laughs> it's not false. Um, no, nah, but she'll be a river player, obviously. Another Northern Knights product. Yeah. This time, not the dogs, that Melbourne. So, She's yeah. just... The thing that I really like about her, outside of her playing ability and all that sort of stuff, is just how she just seems like a genuine person and yeah. just really mature, um, but excited to be there. So that is Even like... In that photo as well, you saw a lot of her family get around her. Except for her brother, who seemed really annoyed yeah, to be. just... just <laughs> I guess that's how all brothers are there, let's be honest. They're all just not happy to be there. They want to be playing footy, but sister yeah. showed him up, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's a- <laughs> so Alyssa Bannon debuting. Also, Eliza McNamara, who yeah. famously uh, beat Paxi's time in the 2K time trial in yeah, the preseason. Um, and Megan Fitzsimmon is the other one who is just a really kind of attacking player which I really like so that's exciting for Melbourne because you can kind of blood those three players in amongst Daisy Pierce, Karen Paxman, Kate Hall like all these mature players so I I hate to compare women's and men's football um, but I liken it to you know the Swans in 2017-2018 who were able to just get all these new players in under the guise of um, injury and things like that But they were playing under Luke Parker. They're playing under Josh Kennedy. So they're learning from all these really experienced players without too much pressure on them. And they develop so much faster. So that's what we're hoping to see from Melbourne um, in in this season. For the Suns, their new recruits aren't just debutantes or draftees who are really exciting. We're talking about 
Sarah Perkins and we're talking yeah. about Alison Drennan. Like, this is huge. Yeah, experienced recruits. Really talented players, but great people in the con- context of a young side, especially when Jasmine Hewitt and Jackie Yorston won't be out there. Yeah. Sarah Perkins cannot be cannot be oversold in terms of how important she's going to be for the Suns this year. Yeah, she's going to be absolutely massive. I think she's a cult hero of the AFLW. You know? <laughs> we know the story of her being you know, picked, given a chance by Beth Goddard back in season one. And she's had a really hard journey. This is now her third club mm-hmm. you know, to try to, to solidify a spot. But I think the Gold Coast is going to be a really good fit for her. I think you know, they're an up-and-coming team. You know, they've only been in the competition for their second year now. So... They're really going to be looking for some players that are going to be there for the long term. But I think Sarah Perkins, I nearly said sex, but Sarah Perkins will be one of those players. Well, straight into the leadership group as well. So that shows how highly they rate her. Absolutely. Another addition to the leadership group was Hannah Dunn as well. I know you like that appointment of co-captaincy. I'm so, so stoked for Hannah Dunn to be co-captain. She's another story of returning and, and kind of... Having the opportunity at the start, it not quite working, yeah. and then working their butt off to get back in. She is as important to their midfield as Jackie Yorston, as Jamie Stanton. So Hannah Dunn gets ignored because she's maybe not as big a name. She wasn't, you know, a recruit from another club that was a big deal. She's as important to that midfield, and it's so exciting that she's um, being kind of noticed by the wider public by being a co-captain. Yeah. But just generally what the club gains from having her there is huge too. So that's going to be really exciting. Yeah. I'll touch on one more return as well for the Suns. There's a, there's a few of the, there's a few good stories out of the Suns. And one that comes to mind for me is Georgia Bevan. She's the replacement player yes. this year for Jackie Yorson, who unfortunately, you must admit, has got a season-ending injury, the poor girl. And she was really exciting last year for the Suns and previously for Brisbane as well. But we get to see Georgia Bevan come out and one of Sarah Perkins' former teammates at Adelaide and... I'm really excited to see what she can do because I was quite surprised that she got delisted from the, the Crows originally, but she's got the second chance now and I think she can really add a lot of depth to the Suns' side. What do you reckon? She is actually a premiership player with Adelaide. Yeah. So And she has been working really, really hard. Um, from what I gather on Twitter, between being a barista... Yeah. Yeah, so that's what I understand of her. I don't know a lot about her, but yeah, I'm keen to see. I, I wouldn't expect... I might be eating my own words in a couple of days, but I wouldn't expect her to play early in the season. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Just but got I think like two days ago. So yeah, but yeah, I think she'll work into it a little bit. Yeah. She's a great addition. I love that the Suns are finding that balance between young kids out of academies or out of the NT drafted in and giving them opportunity while also finding these other players who know the requirements of being on an AFLW list and can come in and kind of quickly do the job. It makes sense that the Suns' replacement player is someone that's experienced it before and knows what to expect and walking in the door rather than someone new that has to learn the ropes really quickly. Yeah, you don't want to be training up your replacement player two days before the season starts. <laughs> so it's good that they've definitely picked a good one in Georgia Bevan. Um, we spoke about Elise Day earlier in the podcast, but not for Melbourne, for Carlton. Mm. So... Um, Melbourne are now left without Elise Day, but who's going to be who's going to fill her role? Who's going to you know step up to the plate? Do you reckon? Yeah, so I want to flag that I did a podcast about the AFLW season, just a big old season preview with Alison Smirnoff, who we've mentioned twice now. Um, hey, Alison, she's, you still listening? Because <laughs> she's amazing. <laughs> um, I did. Me- I kind of called her out a little bit on, not called her out, but asked her why 
friendly debate. Eliso Day is, a, is the biggest loss for her from Melbourne and, and why she's the biggest gain for Carlton. Just because I wanted to... It's almost like when we talk about her, it's just accepted that everyone knows what happens and don't kind of go into too much detail about why Elisa Day is a loss for Melbourne or why she's a gain for Carlton, which sounds really dumb because everyone knows that Elisa Day is great. That being said, (laughs) if this had happened a year ago or a year before, I would have been really worried for Melbourne's midfield without a day. I'm not so worried now because Maddie Gay's come in and when Daisy Pierce was out, Maddie Gay picked up that midfield role flawlessly Mm. and then last year we saw Tyler Hanks play a lot of midfield time as well and really kind of excel she was drafted as a midfielder had to spend a lot of time forward we know that Tyler Hanks is the kind of player who not at Kiara Bowers level but you know can play two-way games and if she's running with a player it's not necessarily a tight tag but she does restrict her opponent while also winning the ball She's only going to improve again. And even Melbourne have flagged her as a player to watch this year. So, yeah, she's a leadership group. And yeah. I remember watch, from my days of watching junior football as well, you know, she was playing for Gippsland and Maddie Prosparkus was playing for Corda. It was always between those two of who was the best and fairest of the season, who yeah. got the big awards. So Tyler was spoken in the same colour as Maddie Prosparkus. So, and we haven't even seen her full potential. She's already been pretty good. But I think this year we'll see her full potential like you alluded to. Absolutely. And I think the one thing that she did start her career injured, which didn't yeah. help her, um, but also um, she's a bit smaller than a lot of the other yeah. kind of big-bodied midfielders like Maddie Prasparkas. So I think that is probably something she's had to work on to be that bit stronger. But I'm so excited about Tyler Hanks for this midfield. And then you look at the Gold Coast midfield, and we've talked about Jackie Austin not being there. They've got Hannah Dunn and Jamie Stanton. I would expect that Alison Drennan probably comes into that midfield yeah. role now, so, which, too. you know, amazing that they've got her there to be that replacement. But I would have loved to see what Alison Drennan can do in more space, which I don't know that we'll be able to see it as much this year because of that injury. Yeah. But these midfielders are going to be fascinating against one another. Yeah, totally. You know, they're kind of new, they're almost new in a way, you know, yeah. brand new midfield. So, yeah, you're right. It'll definitely be an interesting battle in the in the middle of the ground. But I want to take you to an end of the ground, and that's defence. <laughs> What do you reckon about each team's defence? Yeah, so famously, I say famously because I say it to people a lot. Famously, <laughs> Melbourne had the strictest defence in the AFLW's history last year. Yeah, right. um, but they did find themselves often kind of dropping a player behind the ball so that Libby Birch could be a loose player yep. to then intercept Mark. Um, but then it hurt them when it came to scoring because they did struggle Gold Coast are very similar. So we saw Progelli, we saw Ahrens, and Serene Watson really improved as the season went on. Those players were amazing in defence when um, they kind of had to really lock down and and restrict scores because they were under siege almost. Mm. But their ability to get the ball into space and out on the wings to use their running players, they did struggle. So both players are solid in their back line, but it's going to be about who can exit defence more efficiently and use their forward line more efficiently. So the the con on Melbourne's game so far has been efficiency up forward in terms of accuracy at goal um, and converting inside 50s into scores. For the Suns, it's actually getting to that space to then get it forward. Once it's forward for the Suns, it's not so much of an issue, but it's getting it between those two arcs that's the issue. So that's going to be kind of the, the arm wrestle in this game. Yeah, the two teams with interesting, you know, interesting tactics. You know, they kind of play the same style of game as you alluded to, and... Those teams that you mentioned earlier in the podcast, the Carltons of the 
of the AFLW like to play really attacking. So it'd be interesting to see if these two can kind of sort of play a bit more attacking in, in this game, knowing that they have the same exact style and they know exactly what they're going to be able to do. Why not try a few things at Metricon Stadium first round of the year? Just try a few things out. Well, and because both have bolstered their forward line in Absolutely. the off-season. Let's see what they can do. <laughs> Who are you tipping? <laughs> I am tipping Melbourne my 10 points in this one. Um, if Jackie Orson was still in... I don't know who I would have tipped, but yeah, I think Jackie Orson is a massive factor for the Suns. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I'm tipping Melbourne by 12. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just think they'll be too good for the Suns on this occasion, but I expect the Suns to get a few wins later in the season, no doubt about that. So they're a side that's definitely improving. Um, our second game on the Saturday is West Coast and Adelaide. So proving from Melbourne, we're too... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Two interstate teams. We'll go the two different time zones again just because we're lovely people in here. It's (laughs) 2.10 on a Saturday. That's Australian Western Standard Time. Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time is 5.10. And that's at Mineral Resources Park, which is West Coast home ground, for those who don't really know. But... Yeah, it's, it's a funny funny name ground, so we thought we'd just make sure that everyone knows the West Coast. <laughs> Love the sponsors, right? Absolutely, yes. We've got to make sure we get the sponsors in. Um, talking points in this one, Jen, there's a few. Um, you know, we, we're obviously going to talk about Aaron Phillips along the way, I'm sure, but um, the Crows are going to be returning to full strength, basically. And, you know, you, know you, you think of Randall as the bigger name, but there's also other players that are coming in that are going to bolster that side. Yeah, so again, this is all with the caveat of not having seen the team announcement, but um, the potential for obviously Randall and Phillips to return is huge. I know Phillips played two games last year, but she was nowhere near full strength. Those two are massive. What Chelsea Randall offers is massive, not just in terms of what she does on the field, but how she can release another player maybe around the rest of the field. Yeah, first year of standalone captain for her as well, so she's got... Massive shoes to fill. Responsibilities. Yeah, responsibilities. But yeah, I'm sure she'll just keep doing what she's what she does. And yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to see her back in the <laughs> in the crow's uniform. Yes. Um. But there's also Rihanna Metcalf who just played the two games last yeah. year, still come back from the, that ACL. One of the prominent rocks in the rocks in the comp. <laughs> yeah. Um. Key to that. 2017 Premiership. Absolutely. Um, Hannah Button is coming back, who kind of plays as an outside mid at times, um, another ACL. And then Chloe Shear, who famously did her ACL after taking an incredible mark in yeah. that 2019 Grand Final. I think Chloe Shear is the player that I want to see the most return this oh, year. Totally. Um, if you consider all of those players, what they offer is a lot of aerial strength. And that's something that Adelaide struggled with last year. So if they can get a combination of those players back into the side for this game, that's going to force West Coast to, A, use the ball better because they they are risking interceptions, or B, be able to contest the ball in the air better when it's being used against them. And I don't think that's something West Coast are up to yet. Mm -hmm. So if Adelaide can employ that aerial game, kind of like West Coast men's team like to do, um, 
that is going to be such a game changer for them because I don't think West Coast can go with them if that's the case. Yeah, and, you know, you just mentioned the players that return to full strength. It's basically a spine. You've got Randall mm. in the back line, Metcalf in the midfield, and Shear in the forward line, and then Budden, who can also come in in the midfield as well. So it's ba- they've basically got their spine back, which mm. is huge. So, yeah, it's a, massive, it's a massive boost for the Crows. But we were just talking about, you know, aerial dominance. Aerial dominance, I guess, another factor of dominance that we wanted to chat about is inside dominance and I suppose how you can capitalise on that. What do, what do you think the battle looks like for the inside battle in this game? Yeah, so as it stands, we don't know if Aaron, uh, Ebony Marinoff is eligible to play because yeah. um, the tribunal has been su- pending. Yeah, suspended at the moment. Um, the, the key to West Coast last year and I think a little bit to Adelaide's uh, lack of success last year is that inside dominance does not equal outside control. So if you look at a a Fremantle, very rarely, and this is me not having actually looked at the stats in the last couple of days, but very rarely, I think, do they win the clearances, but they get the control on the outside of that. West Coast, on the other hand, I think won the clearances in every game except one last year, and they just, they get the clearance, but then it gets turned over on the outside. Adelaide, we saw a little bit of that last year as well because Anne Hatchard and Ebony Marinoff were kind of the senior players in the side. They were so under siege in the middle that there, there was no one on the outside to support them. Um, so I think Adelaide are going to bounce back from that much better than what West Coast are. That being said, Ashling McCarthy in for um, West Coast is a bit of an answer to that. You know, Tia Charlton can be a bit of an answer to that for Adelaide. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, speaking of Ashley McCarthy, one of the big recruits for West Coast, um, is she is she going to be the answer for them? Is she going to be, you know, the key to, to more scoring power up forward? You know, I think um, she was massive for the Dogs. She's a huge loss for them. But is she going to really solve West Coast's problems? So I think, yeah, I've, I say yes tentatively. Yeah. In, in theory, yes, but she's only one person. And yeah. Sinead Davison, um, their second choice in the draft last year she's also going to be massive in this respect because she's a strong lead up marking forward west coast issue was on the outside and going forward last year the eagles had one player kick more than one goal for the season and that was Haley bullis and i think it was nine other players kicked one goal for the season that the scoring was just non-existent ashley mccarthy in their practice match kicked three goals on her own yeah so you know, it's where you play her. So do you play her up on the wing and hope that she pushes forward to score as well? Is she going to be the link between the, the strong midfield and players like Davison and Grace Kelly, who's back for another season? How she plays, I think, is going to be the barometer for West Coast. Whereas Dana Hook is always going to play well, but it doesn't mean the rest of the team is going to play yeah. well. Yeah, so she'll definitely need the support of McCarthy. Um, tips for this one. Yeah. What are you thinking? Uh, Adelaide by about 20. Yeah. I was, um, was going to go 25 actually for the Crows. So pending, yeah, we're pretty, pe- pretty close on the tip so far. <laughs> pending their ability to kick straight. Their practice yes. mass notoriously was what? Three goals, 21? Yeah. It was very inaccurate. I think that was three goals, 11 in like the first quarter. One goal, 11 <laughs> saw something in the first quarter. So they'll definitely need to straighten up their kicking. And we're obviously like, as we're recording now on a Wednesday night, we still don't know if Ebony Marinoff's playing. So... Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what team they come out with. But yeah, I'm still expecting them to get up pretty comfortably over West Coast. Yeah, we just haven't seen enough 
improvement in the Eagles. And they've had a dysfunctional off-season given the WA border restrictions and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I think it's a bit too hard to expect the Eagles to improve too drastically this season. Yeah, and another team that's had a bit of an interrupted preseason is North Melbourne. They're going up against Geelong. And the reason I say it's a bit interrupted is because they have a brand-new coach. Um, Obviously, we saw the departure of Scott Gowan. So, yeah, it'll be interesting times for them, a new era for them. They're starting their season off at GMHBA Stadium on Sunday at 12.10 Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time. And another part of I'll I'll allude to their preseason again, another part that was not so much interrupted but was interesting was that um, Jasmine Garner was obviously the favourite to win MVP in in 2020 and somehow the umpires just missed her on the field. So She got three votes, people. Three votes. One, two, three. She kicked more goals as a midfielder than she ever has as a forward. Like, I'm just going to call this segment generous rant, by the way. So, <laughs> <laughs> I actually, <laughs> I was so mad about that that I kind of made up an article on Siren that had other stuff in it just so I could talk about how Jasmine Garner was robbed. Yeah, and, you know, you're right. She only did get three votes. You know, she's definitely going to be out for revenge this year. But where's that revenge going to come from? Is it going to come from the midfield? Is it going to come from the forward line? Is it going to come from the back line? Is it going to come from the bench? She can play anywhere and make an impact anyway. So... Where's her ideal position? Yeah, so I think this is going to be such a fascinating thing to watch, especially given the new coach situation, um, the Grace Campbell factor, so another midfielder that is very strong. Yeah, great addition. Yeah, she's amazing, but there's so many midfielders. There's too many midfielders in this team. I think Ghana's a better midfielder than she is a stay-at-home forward. But I don't think they can fit her there. So I would imagine they play her on that kind of high half forward role where she does push up onto the wing, support, be the outlet, and then come forward and kind of pinch hit forward as well. There's a lot of positioning questions that are kind of in the air about North Melbourne, which is why this game is going to be fascinating to see where people are playing. Where will Viv Saad play? Where will... Emma King play? Where will Caitlin Ashmore play? Because we saw last year Saad took the number one ruck role. Emma King played out of the goal square. Caitlin Ashmore played as a forward pocket more than on a, as a winger than previously. And obviously Garner playing up the field. Will they continue with that sort of setup? Because I think that's strong for them. Or will they change it a little bit? Obviously, remembering that Jess Duffin is back too. So, yeah. I think <laughs> that's just, you know, just a classic in, you know, not, not, not a big it's deal. It's mental, just, right? Just an Australian just slotting straight back in. <laughs> just looking at their list is After absurd. A baby as well. Come on. <laughs> ah, second player ever to return from giving birth, I think. Yeah, Daisy Pierce, obviously, is a first. Obviously. <laughs> Did, had twins, so, you know. Yeah, just the casual. No pressure to anyone else. Thing. I mean, yeah. I can't even do anything. I had knee surgery three years ago, so whatever. Um, Yeah, so I think for North Melbourne, it's going to be very much how they structure up that's going to be the most fascinating part. Yeah, and how do you reckon they'll go in the air? We spoke about that aerial dominance for Adelaide. They're a pretty tall team, but I think North's probably one of the tallest teams in the comp, so they'll definitely have heaps of aerial prowess. What do you think they're going to be able to do against the Cats? Yeah, so you look at Jasmine Garner, you look at Emma King, you look at Kate Gillespie-Jones, you look at Brittany Gibson, you look at... Georgia Hammond, who's just been drafted, they have so many players that are so strong in the air. And controlled as well, you know. Yeah. They're people that can bring the ball down and, and use it well. Yeah, so it's just because the the thing that makes the Kangaroos so good is that 
they're skillful, so they hit their targets and they also have that strength in the air. So again, like like I was talking about Adelaide and like I kind of compared it to the way West Coast men's team like to play in yeah. their successful years, hit your opponent, get the uncontested mark or get a contested mark and you have use of the ball again. Like it seems so simple, but it is really hard to execute if the Ruse just continue doing that. They're going to be so hard to battle. Yeah, totally. And you're right. The structure is the key. And they're under a new coach now in Darren Crocker. So it's interesting. Will he, will he move the magnets around a bit? Or do you think he'll play it a bit safe? You know, it's just, it's a lot of unknowns for North. But considering their side on paper, you, you really can't go past them. But I guess for the Cats, you know, who, who are their key players? Who, who are they going to turn to, I suppose, when North inevitably, I suppose, get a scoring run? You know, they always... <laughs> tend to start games really well and I guess a lot of teams panic but who's going to be the, the shining light for the Cats? Is it Liv, is it Liv Purcell? Is it a Rocky Cranston? You know, who's going to be the one that's going to stand up for him? So I think Rochelle Cranston can be the key, I guess, to Geelong's game just because she's so powerful and she can break away from a stoppage. She's also a great contested mark, lead-up mark, and she's a great kick for goal. So it's about finding the balance for her. How much time does she spend in the middle? How much time does she spend forward? Because the Cats are going to be relying, early in the season, relying a lot on debutantes or draftees to kick their score. So they need the support of Phoebe Williams. They need the support of Rochelle Cranston there. But their midfield is also, they need that extra bit of power. They've got really skillful players, but I think they need that extra power that Cranston can provide. So what balance do you find with her? How much time does she spend in each area of the ground? I think that's going to be a fascinating thing to watch too. Yeah, interesting times for both coaches. Paul Hood's going to have a bit of trouble with his magnets too. I think magnets are going to be flung all over the place at GMHBA, but... Who are you tipping in this one? Yeah, I'm sorry, Cats fans, but I'm going with North by 18 points. Mm. Um, I just can't see the Cats able to kick enough of a score to beat North Melbourne, who are a high-scoring team. Yeah, Geelong did struggle with with scores and last year and, in, and the previous year as well. So I'm going to be tipping North as well by 25. I think 25. they're just going to be too strong um, and too powerful. But I, I don't discount the Cats. I reckon they'll give it a red-hot crack. But, yeah, I think North experience will just stand up. Um, on that day. And now we head over to Sunday. It's a whole weekend of footy. Classic. <laughs> when was the last time we had a whole weekend of footy? Jeez. Get yourselves on the couch. I can't remember. I know. Seriously. Feb 2020, maybe. You know. Wow. In, in W terms, I suppose. The men's, you would have had a few weekends here and there, but not the same. Was anyway. it weekends or was it just constant barrage of football yeah. every day? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Big bash style football. Um, <laughs> But yeah, obviously the people are keen. They've spoken out. They're keen to get back to the footy. This the game between Richmond and Brisbane on Sunday has sold out. You can't cannot get any more tickets. Um, that just shows that people are willing to buy tickets, okay? So all the haters out there, just, just have, a, have a listen. Just check it out. Um, 210 Swinburne Centre. Like I said, it's going to be a full house. Great support for Richmond. It's only their second season. They didn't even win a game last season. The fans have still come out to support them. So yeah, it's, it shows really good faith by them to come in. But... Um, yeah, how are Richmond going to go in this game? I think, I think from I think you you mentioned uh, you know before the show started that their forwards are going to be the one that might have the most trouble in this game. Yeah. So last year, 
we saw that Richmond's forwards were a bit stagnant. They weren't yep. they weren't working as a group. They were kind of working as individual forwards and they kind of all just hoped that Sabrina Frederick would lead up take a contested mark and they wouldn't have to do too much yeah. um which you know as a midfielder who's under pressure with the ball that's the most terrifying sight because you just don't have an option to kick to i remember watching the saints game in round six saint uh, richmond st kilda and there was actually i hate the I hate the ground level camera shots just for reference to everyone <laughs> but i remember it being kind of that ground level shot or and monique conti had the ball under pressure from four or five players and she was kind of just trying to avoid pressure because there was just no one moving in the forward line for her all of that being said richmond's forward line is coming up against probably the smartest or best set up defense in the competition in brisbane kate lutkins shannon campbell um, Emma Zilke, players like that. You've got Lauren Arnell that goes back there sometimes. They're very smart. They set up very well and they play as a unit. They don't play as individuals. Yeah. Richmond need to be aware of this and be very switched on to be playing as five forwards and not I'm just one player because Brisbane are going to cut that off every time because they're so smart. That's going to be so important for Richmond to do. And if they can do that, that will be the biggest signing of improvement for them this year. Yeah, yeah, for for sure. (laughs) Get my words out of my head. (laughs) Um, You mentioned, obviously, the forwards have got their work cut out. But what about the midfield? We saw Monconti dominate. Who else is with her? Yeah, so obviously Richmond focused really heavily on developing some depth in their midfield. During the off-season, they've got Sarah Hosking. They've got Ellie McKenzie in, who was the number one draft pick. They have Sarah Darcy, who can play up the field. They've got Sarah Dargan, who can play up the field. A A lot of players. That will hopefully see Katie Brandon play forward and not up yeah, in the midfield. Yeah. Um, I think she's a much better forward than she's – she's an amazing forward. Yeah. And I think she's a pretty good midfielder. They're better off having her up forward organising. Um, so this midfield coming up against Brisbane who have Emily Bates who is synonymous with Queensland women's footy. They've got Ali Anderson who is – an all-Australian. She's been around since the first season. Um, she's a great ball winner. Kathy Svark, who took the competition by storm last year, yeah. and we know can play a really good tagging game while also getting a lot of attack herself. The way this midfield sets up, and it's our first look at how this midfield is working from Richmond, that's going to be fascinating because Richmond, uh, Brisbane already have a well-oiled machine there. They're coming up against a group that has spent the preseason together and not even all of the preseason together. Will that be a factor or will this Richmond midfield that looks great on paper now mesh straight away? Yeah, yeah, you're totally right. Um, And I guess some qualities that Brisbane have, you know, I think with Brisbane, I I tend to think of Brisbane as, you know, more of a defensive team. The first thing I think when I think of Brisbane is Kate Lovkins and her patrol in the back line, but... You've noted here that Brisbane have some really good run that they might be able to show up. Can you tell us a bit about that and what you're expecting for Brisbane? Yeah, so since they've had that kind of big exodus of players because of expansion, yeah. it seems like they've they've made a concerted effort to draft or uh, recruit quick running players, players that can run and carry. Think Ola O'Dwyer, think Greta Bodie, think Sophie Conway, who mm-hmm. was around before but you know, is important to that sort of stuff. And then this preseason, Courtney Hodder, um, even Zimli Farquharson can do a bit of that. 
there's a lot of those players that love to run and carry. And we even saw them trying to do that before they lost Paige Parker and people like that. So if they can get the ball in that space, use that run, get the ball forward quickly, they're going to be most dangerous that way. Um, I don't know that Richmond necessarily have the ability to defend that really fast run and carry if it's executed well. Um, I keep pointing at you, I've noticed. I'm doing a lot of pointing. It's okay. Give me on the toes. Yeah, so I think that's something to watch out for for Brisbane is, yeah, they have that great defense, but the thing that their defense provides them is that bounce out. And then – Exactly, and then they can use that run from those other players that we've mentioned to continue that bounce um, into the forward line. So I think that's going to be interesting. It's almost like I'm throwing dice now. Yeah, throwing dice, pointing. We've got all the gestures here. You think? <laughs> I'm Italian, okay. Yeah, Gemma's really bringing out the true Italian in herself, people. So the Instagram live on Sunday with Ryan will be Oh, God, I didn't even think of that. Great to watch. Great viewing. Make sure you tune in for that to actually see the gestures in person. Um, but back to this game, the sellout, like we said. Oh, sorry. Um, who are you tipping? I'm going to go Brisbane by 15. I think we're going to see improvement from Richmond, but I don't know that that necessarily means a win straight off the bat. Yeah, I'm actually going to tip Brisbane by a bigger margin. I'm thinking 35. I think they wow. might out of the water a bit. Um, I know Richmond obviously really improved, but, yeah, I think Brisbane are equally improved. You know, I think they've gone under the, ra- under the radar a bit. Yeah, they've, like you said, they've got some really good run in their team now. So, yeah, if you interesting. If you want to learn about Brisbane's team and, and the way they developed it, you can always go to Siren and read... Mine and Kirby Fenwick's three-part series on the development of women's football in Queensland. So it's a great you read. You about it, but it actually is a really brilliant read. Like, I know you're laughing because you're giving yourself a plug, but it's simply, it's actually a really fantastic read. And the effort that those two, you and yourself and Kirby went to to actually get a story up is outrageous, you know, especially in Queensland. You know, someone, I think people think Victoria is obviously the footy state, but seeing how the women's football developed in Queensland is so super interesting. So... Yeah, head over to Sarah and give that a read. And while you're there, <laughs> give every other article a read as well. It's all women writing about women's sport. What more could you want? Um, exactly. So, Thank yeah. you, Julie. I appreciate that. So the last game for the week, and this is the one I'm most looking forward to because Fremantle last season just looked like they were going to take the competition by storm before it got interrupted. Um, they're coming up against the Giants on Sunday at Fremantle Oval at home. The poor Giants who had to relocate <laughs> from, you know, Greater Western Sydney into Aubrey, into Adelaide, lost a teammate on the way, and now they have to travel over to Freo to play the Red Hot Dockers. That's at 1.10 Australian Western Standard Time, or if you're watching here from Melbourne, it's 4.10 Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time. Um, interesting. Really interesting game, this one. Um, we mentioned Freo's obviously got the great run-in, and Giants have had the absolute opposite, the absolute terrible run-in. Um, but last se- we're going to talk about last season, apart from the preseason. Last season... The Giants struggled a bit with accuracy. <laughs> yes. More than Adelaide? <laughs> I don't know. More than Adelaide in that practice game? I'm not sure. But more than more than they more than ever have in the competition. So right. this is another stat that I like to trot out at the moment. because you like a jingle for stats. I think you're going to just reel that's an absolute ripper. I need everyone to <laughs> know that there's going to be rippers coming. So we'll just... Stat. If you've heard me on other podcast you probably heard me say this before so sorry about that but I, I think it's pertinent in the fact that last year the Giants generated more shots on goal than they ever have before on average I think it was 10 or 11 shots on goal a game yeah. but because their accuracy was so poor I think it was around 33 percent they averaged their lowest average score in 
AFLW history. So while they had more shots on goal, they created more attack, they actually scored lower than they have ever before. That has to be changed if they're going to be threatening this year because there's so much else against them. If they're not even taking the making the most of their opportunities they're just fighting against themselves and then you look at Frio who are very much a side who, who kind of like I talk, spoke about Carlton before they're okay with you you attacking and you scoring because they know they're going to score more because they're a very yeah. free-flowing high scoring team and you think of Duffy out the back she's always there you know Duffy like she's Duffy. just so smart but then you think they've got Roxy Rue they've got Gemma Houghton yeah. who also kicked 410 last year so we're talking about accuracy I feel like I should caveat that too um but then they've got ebony antonio who can go forward and kick goals they've got cara antonio who can do the same kiara bowers unbelievable (laughs) right um training married getting copies absolutely yeah captain and captain and leadership group like amazing imagine being able to coach that like that's amazing um yeah so i think uh, it's gonna come down to Frio being okay with the Giants scoring, but they also have a really clever backline similar to – clever in term, clever is the comparison with Brisbane, but I think they're quite different to Brisbane's backline as well. All of them are really kind of running players, more so than a, an intercept marking or anything like that. Um, they're going to force the Giants into uncomfortable positions to score just to exacerbate that accuracy issue yeah. and then hit them really hard on the turnover. Yeah, and you mentioned the the player that they did lose was in fact Yvonne Bonner for the Giants, and she was one of their keys up forward in these past years that she's been playing for them. So she's going to be a massive, massive loss. And yeah, their accuracy is definitely going to be a big focus for them coming into this game. But um, I want to take you through the midfield now. Um, there's some new faces in there for both teams. Um, who, can you tell us about who who we're expecting to be be named in the teams? Obviously, like you said, with the precursor that we don't know who the teams are yet. Yeah. So. I think the really the tough thing is and and we've got to talk about the Giants understanding the difficulties of drafting up what is considered a part-time athlete even though technically they're not because they have to train all year in a, a state that isn't inherently a football estate in New South Wales it's so much harder for them to draw players to that club or to recruit them so it, it's almost like you got to take what's available to you. And that's not to diminish what players are there because they have some really talented players. But what I more mean is the the type of player you can get. So I think that comes down and, and is really obvious when it comes to their midfield because their midfield is very similar. They've got a lot of players that are very similar. So you've got Elise Parker, who's great contested, can win the ball and then clear it with a kick. You've got Tate Mackerel, who's absolutely improving in that respect, but he's a very similar player. They've just recruited Cat Smith, who is technically a small lockdown defender, but can play that midfield role. Elise Parker, she's a contested tackling player. Um, legend, yeah. yeah, amazing <laughs> captain. Um, yeah. Jess Del Poz, who is a really skillful player, but again, very much that contested player. I've just hit my mic, so sorry if you heard that. Um, Rebecca Beeson, who, you know, persistent, contest to contest, but again, very contested. They don't have many of those players other than maybe Hanin Zrika, who is more of an, like a Georgia G kind of midfielder or a Grace Egan kind of midfielder rather than the big body tough midfielder. Yeah. And I think that has caused some issues with them because there's not too many other players that they can run through there. And then also 
are you going to play Elise Parker in the forward line or are you going to play her on the ball? You know, like you're not going to rob yeah. your midfield because of that. So I think uh, team selection and structuring and, and game plans around that midfield is tough. But again, we've got to consider the constraints within the what the Giants play. Fremantle, however. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, this is a quite a long episode. I wasn't expecting it to be this long. It's because I'm talking a lot. I'm excited. But um, Fremantle, again, I ha- they have so many players on that list that can go into the midfield and be effective. There are so many. And that makes them so hard to plan for because not only will they maybe not be playing that player in the midfield that you think they will, but then that player is going to be dangerous somewhere else and maybe you haven't planned for them to be dangerous in the forward line or on the wing. So that's what makes them so tough. And I think we're going to see a lot of new faces have some time in that midfield or on that wing for Fremantle. And it's going to throw opposition teams kind of for a loop because they're not going to be able to prepare for it. Um, and then adapting within a game to deal with the kind of talent Fremantle have is significantly more difficult than adapting to another side. So that midfield isn't going to be like maybe Melbourne's or the Suns where it's you know you know who the three key followers in the midfield are going to be for the majority of the game and then you kind of rotate around that. Fremantle's going to be a different ball game and you know Jasmine Stewart we saw some of what she yeah. could do last year I'm excited to see her. Well. Yeah, so. Tia Haynes is back for them and looks to be playing largely a midfield role. You know, they've got Cara Antonio, but will she play much in the midfield or will she play further more on the outside? Ebony Antonio, will she play on half forward or will she play up on the wing? Like, they're so hard to plan for. Yeah, I think, I swear, each player has two positions at least they could play in. Like, yeah. They're all just super, super versatile. So, mm. yeah, it's going to be amazing to see where they're going to um, match up in the end. Um, but another element of the midfield I want to chat about is the ruck battle. Um, we saw Mim Strom have a really, really good 2020 season, but... Is she going to be able to continue that role in 2021 and continue to, to you know, feed the, the likes of Kiara Bowers the ball and things like that? Yeah, so Mimstrom, she came into last year all of a sudden the number one rock because yeah. Anya Tig. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I'm really sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's Anya Tig from what I've heard of it said. That's how you say it, but I may be wrong. Um she was set to be the number one ruck and then did her ACL on, on the eve of the season. Yeah. Mimstrom had to step up and absolutely did a fantastic job. Totally. Not just in terms... First year ruck. First, first year ruck. Yeah, first year ruck. Exactly. Yeah. Teaming up with Roxy Rue as well, who had to be the pinch hitter as well. So, yeah, two brand new players just yeah. going straight in there. And the difference in their game too. So, Mimstrom is very much a tap ruck and then position around the field. Roxy Rue kind of comes in and she's more of a spike it out, get it forward ruck. Yeah. So the way you can do that strategically as well is amazing. Um, Mimstrom, the, the, she absolutely proved herself last year, not just with the tap outs, but then positioning herself on the wing as an aerial outlet or tackling at ground level. She's a great tackler. So, you know, all those things she has to her game. So I think because of how good her performance was last year, I don't think they were ever going to, even when Anya Tig was on track to return, which she's now not, unfortunately, mm. I don't think that was ever going to be the change again. I think Mimstrom was just going to retain that position. Tig yeah, was going to mostly it. play forward. Yeah. yeah. So that's amazing for Freo. When we look at GWS, they have the most interesting ruck combination because they have two pure rucks. So Erin McKinnon is a tap ruck, absolutely a tap ruck, and she leads the competition for hitouts. 
um, lots of people are joining the Siren Tipping Comp right now. <laughs> and that's what all my emails are coming through as. So come and join our Siren Tipping Comp. Yeah. Um, and then they've got Jess Allen, who is a little bit more, a little bit closer to the way Lauren Pierce rocks, where she can kind of have an impact at ground level as well. She grew up playing with Tate Mackerel, so she pairs off really well with her. There's a lot to like about both of them, but I don't know that either of them uh, kind of dominate in another area of the ground. So it's hard to – I'll be interested to see how Alan McConnell chooses to play the two of them given they're both best played in the ruck. If that makes it, and no, it sounds really dumb because they're rocks. Yeah. Of course, they're best played in the ruck, but it'd be like you know Roxy Rue and Mim Strong. Rest, you know, like where are you gonna put them when they have a rest? Exactly, and you they they're both too good to not play. Yeah. So I I'd love to see whether another like maybe Jess Allen has been reinvented as a forward because they do need those forwards or something like that. Yeah. I'm really curious to see that too. Yeah, I think probably Allen's gonna be one out of two that's gonna have to. Um, that I think Alan McConnell might redevelop into a different position because McKinnon's just that, like you said, yeah. pure tap ruck and all Australian as well. So she has that reputation, whereas Alan's just coming in. We don't really know about what she's going to be able to bring to the Giants. So She seems to have more of that ability to adapt to other roles more so yeah, than McKinnon that, that, as well. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. yeah you've taken the words right over I love it. That's why we're teammates here. It's grouse. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, tips for this one. What are you thinking? This is my biggest margin. I'm tipping Freya by 30 points. Nice. This is a really, really hard well, ask nice for nice, GWS. That, but, you know, nice bravery by you to tip a really big margin. That's what I get. Sorry. <laughs> Five goals. <laughs> what about you? Um, yeah, I'm definitely tipping Freya for a big win as well. I'm tipping around – I'm going to say 28. I don't think it's just going to be quite as big. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I reckon the Giants will have, a, 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 a you know, a chance to – Stay within that close margin, but yeah. Close margin, within five goals. Yeah, within, within that five goals, yeah. <laughs> just to be interesting, I've taken a, a, a two points off. Just, just to, to mix it up. Up, Just to get a leg up on you, really. <laughs> but yeah, three are big winners in this one, I think, just because of how enjoyable the Giants preseason has been. But I'm hoping, similar to, um, similar to the Gold Coast, like I said before, I hope they can kind of win a few extra games as mm. the season goes on. Um, so yeah, that, that's it for round one. That's that's it well, for our preview. Um, obviously, footy's on tonight. Make sure you enjoy Carlton Collingwood. It's the season over. We haven't had football in a while, um, so I'm gonna be glued to my TV. I'm sure you are too, Jen. You gonna be at the game? I'm gonna be at home um, just because I've got other commitments. But <laughs> um, yeah, so I'll be watching on the TV this time. But... Will you be tweeting through it like I love to do? Oh, I'm not, I'm not after much of a big tweeter, so if you follow me on Twitter, you won't see too much. Just a few retweets here and there, but I'll definitely <laughs> be watching and taking some private notes of my own. So, <laughs> If people want to interact with you, where where can they do that? Because you're new, you're new to this team. Yeah, I am new. I'm brand new. Um, so Julian Montesano 4 is my Twitter handle. Um, like, I, like, if, like I said, you won't probably find much tweets from myself, but you'll find heaps of retweets. Hopefully you'll find some good content in there somewhere <laughs> if you just dig deep enough. Um, same Instagram, same handle on Instagram as well. If you want to see photos of me and my boyfriend and my dog, so <laughs> it's up to you. If you want to, see, if you want to see my personal life, go ahead. Follow me on Insta. I'll accept it. No worries. <laughs> um, but in terms of the more important socials, um, Play on Radio Melbourne is the one you've got to go to. That's on Twitter. Play on Radio Melbourne on Insta as well, and Play on Radio on Facebook. We're everywhere. Also, if you want that sweet, sweet statistic trivia on Twitter. <laughs> 
Yes. Come to GL Bastiani because I mostly tweet from there and then we'll retweet some stuff across the play on radio. So um, that's the place to go just for the shameless self-promotion there. Absolutely. We love a bit of self-promo. Great. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can also check out more of Gem's stuff on Play, play On Radio Live. Play on radio live. Um, that's the website where you can read all of Gemma's season previews. If you're, not a, if you're not the biggest podcast fan, you haven't quite made it to the end of this podcast, you can <laughs> head on over to the website and read what she's done. She's picked the best 21 for each team. So... We'll see how she goes if she gets it all right. Um, but, yeah, that's where you can actually read some written content. Gem's also on Siren Sport, um, the, one of the founders of that great platform as well. So you can catch more of her stuff there. And, yeah, the whole Siren Sport team will be doing some great stuff throughout the AFLW season, I'm sure. So, yeah, definitely keep your eyes peeled on those platforms. But for now, a big thank you for listening to our first episode. We've really enjoyed your company. Um, and we hope that you'll enjoy the footy this weekend. Thank you to you, Jen, for being a part of today. And Thanks for joining. Yeah, for letting me be your co-host for this season. I'm super stoked. The first episode's done and dusted. But, um, yeah, from us, it's sayonara, goodbye, adios, ciao. Enjoy the footy. <laughs>